You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. All right, all right. How's everybody doing? Who else is intrigued about why we have chairs up here and people up here? I love it. So... Um, man, I am so excited for it this morning. Uh, I have two very close friends up here, um, and we are going to have a discussion about the passage of Scripture today uh, that we're going to dive into. So if you have a Bible, grab it. Ephesians chapter 3. As a church, we've been walking through Ephesians 3, and um, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, and this started way back in January. We've just been going verse by verse and, and diving in and talking about um, the book of Ephesians written by a man named Paul, who at one point was a religious zealot and was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ, and now all of a sudden um, they... Uh, he now has come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and his life is transformed. And now he's going, and he's sharing the good news of Jesus with people. And um, in the process of all of that, he is beaten, he is imprisoned, and now he is writing this letter to a church that he helped start. And so that's what we've been journeying through. And uh, I had uh, the opportunity to get these two guys together. So I introduced them about a month ago or so. Um, I invited them to one of my favorite places, San Luis, uh, which is a Cuban place over behind Outback. And as I was sitting there, I was listening to them have a conversation around the lunch table. Um, We didn't necessarily have our Bibles open, but the scriptures were at the center of the conversation and the dialogue. And I would listen to what Russ said, and then I would listen to what AJ said, and I would listen to what Russ said. I was like, man, I just want to take this and do this in front of our people. And the reason is because we have such a high value here on discipleship. What does it look like to disciple one another? And we use that catchphrase a lot in the church world, but we often don't model it in front of one another. We often don't come together and say, this is what discipleship can look like. And, and in a lot of ways, it's a conversation. It's a dialogue about the scriptures. And here's what I know, that us three up here may not agree on every single topic. Um, I know these guys well enough. So Russ Johnson, uh, you guys can uh, say hello to Russ. This is Russ. Um, Russ helped us plant FMCC seven years ago. And over the course of the last seven years, we have grown as friends, and we have, uh, he has sharpened me as a brother. He has challenged me in the Word of God. Um, he has encouraged my heart uh, in the midst of planting a church, which can be very grueling and very difficult and very hard. Um, so he was uh, a, a person I could go to that was safe, that would um, hear my complaints and then point me back to the gospel and back to the word of God. Um, he didn't fuel my fire, but he, he, he pointed me back to Jesus. Um, but over those seven years, what I know is that Russ and I um, would articulate things differently sometimes when it comes to things that we see in scripture. And then I got to know AJ. And then, and then AJ and I built this friendship uh, through some people. Uh, and so we started hanging out and talking. And then uh, the elders invited AJ Hamilton. You can say hi to AJ too. I don't want leave you away from the, 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 the clap. Um, and um, 
And we invited him in to do some consulting because uh, AJ has been a, a, a pastor at some, some growing churches over the course of his tenure in the, in the life of the church. And, and so um, he uh, came in and started helping us think through some things that we, we needed to do as far as organizationally as a church. And um, through that process, gotten to know him, gotten to know his family and Crystal and his kids. And um, just, just really excited to be able to sit here and open up the word together and just talk about it have a conversation, a dialogue, um, really that is centered on grace. And I think that grace is one of the most important aspects of our faith, but probably one of the most miscommunicated um, and one of the most misunderstood um, aspects of our faith. And so um, what we're going to do today so that you guys know is um, I'm going to kind of facilitate a discussion with these guys. We're going to open up the word together. We're going to read it together. And then we're going to talk about it. And so if this is your first time with us and you've never seen anything like this, um, we don't do this all the time. Um, so we've been walking through this section of scripture, Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. And We've been going through it verse by verse and talking about it. And so what I want to do is I want to read it for us, but then I want to hone in on verses 7 and 8 today. And that's the conversation. That's what's going to come out of this conversation. So let me read this for us. This is Paul speaking. He says, for this reason, uh, and he just talked about in chapter 2 about grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone um, and how those things unify the body. Right? So that's what unifies the men on this stage right now is Jesus Christ by faith alone, through grace alone, and Christ alone. Uh, and so for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. So that's a radical idea that Paul throws out there that now the Gentiles are included in with the Jews. Verse 7. Of this gospel, of this good news, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. That's what we're pressing in on today. The gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I was the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, this, that's us, the people of God, every person that calls on Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. That's for next week. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask that you not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive in. Sound good? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for these men that are willing to come up here and have a conversation about your grace. God, we thank you. Um, none of us would be here if it wasn't for your grace. And although we are sinners, 
although we are undeserving, um, you have brought us out of darkness into light. And so, um, thank you. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, I didn't just invite you up here because you're pretty. Um, or because you have tattoos, tattoos, and that makes you cooler than me. Um, but uh, you have journeyed in the life of the church for years. And so, real quick, why don't you just introduce yourself, uh, share just about your family uh, and your ministry uh, that you've experienced over the, your life. Yeah. Um, is this thing working? Yeah. Good to go? Okay. First, um, just so you know, I'm a little nervous because I'm sitting in this chair right now trying to figure out how to hide this middle section. <laughs> what happens when you're knocking on 45? Uh, yeah, I'm Russ. I'm uh, originally from Tampa. I became a believer in Jesus through a friend while working on a freight dock uh, 25 years ago. After that, uh, I got a chance to marry my high school sweetheart, who we've been married now, Krista, for 24 years. We got three kiddos, 24. 21 in a month, and five. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. My wife likes Amazon, and, well, I should actually say Amazon likes my wife. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that we, she calls him our add-on. Um, <laughs> he's, he's great, little Eli. So, yeah, I, uh, long story short, I spent 15 years pastoring and planting churches in Asheville, North Carolina, and then Chicago, um, right in the heart of the city. And what we learned in all those experiences of church, just church planting and growth and multiplication led to starting a, a ministry called Table Network, which was allowing us to just basically get the gospel around tables of everyday people throughout the country and beyond. We spent about seven years doing that, which led to what is now called LARC, which is the ministry I now lead. You can check that out at larksite.com if you're interested. But um, what all that eventually led to was the discovery that you can get people to gather around a table, just like you can get people to gather in big buildings like this, and amen for both. But my experience has shown me that um, if you don't have the reckless news of Jesus in those places, it doesn't matter where you gather. Hmm. So that's what led to Lark, which is basically allowing us to, I guess in a, in a nutshell, we're just trying to change how the world sees the cross. Hmm. And we're doing that US-wide and beyond. It's awesome, cool. Yeah, I got saved at an early age, um, grew up feeling like I was going to be a missionary and uh, went on a few mission trips and said, no, that's not for me. <laughs> and was at a church service one day and I heard a guy just preaching through the whole Bible, not through the whole Bible, through a whole chapter of the Bible. I'd never heard a preacher do that. I grew up in a church that was more of half of half of a verse for three steps to a healthy marriage. And as a teenager, it's just really hard to apply that over and over and over again. So this guy was just reading the word. I was fascinated by it. And as I was leaving with my, my wife, Crystal, I was, about, I was about 20, 21 years old then. Uh, I just heard the Lord say, you're going to work for these guys. And, and sure enough, I got an unpaid internship with them a few months later. And so I did work for them. <laughs> Perfect. Not earn from them, yes. <laughs> and uh, that church grew from about 175 folks in that uh, rented Presbyterian downtown building in, in the Seattle area to uh, multi-state. And uh, I just got to see ministries that were hundreds turn into thousands, thousands turn into multi-thousands. And... Uh, and then I watched it all kind of burn publicly and, and just get destroyed. And it was really painful and, and public. 
and uh, moved over to Texas and started doing ministry there and watched that thing just spin off church plant after church plant after church plant and uh, then had some really hard stuff come up in my extended family. And so we've been moving around quite a bit, came out to Florida just a little while ago uh, with my six kiddos, uh, ages almost 20 to down to 11, three, three beautiful boys, three beautiful girls. And um, yeah, and then uh, just met some of the pastors in the area. They told me to meet other pastors in the area. I got to meet Bill. He's great. And we had like a, like a four-hour breakfast <laughs> over at, uh, where was that? Uh, first watch. That's right. Waitress kept, kept coming by and she's like, you are you done? <laughs> Do you need anything <laughs> else? I, I can get you a lunch menu if you want. You guys must be Christians. <laughs> we tipped well. We tipped well. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, just have seen a lot of what the Lord does with his people, the church. It's, it's incredible. It's awesome. I love it. So let's just dive in. Um, verse 7 is where we're going to be. He starts off. This is Paul. Um, like I said, we're in this section of Scripture where uh, Paul is actually modeling for us what does it mean to be a Jesus-centered missionary. And so he is shepherding uh, the people that he's writing to. He is loving them, and he's really trying to get them to understand the message, right? The message is at the forefront of what he's saying. Um, and he says, of this gospel. So before we go any further, um, Russ, this good news. You, you talked about it in sec a second ago about this reckless love. Like, what is this good news? <laughs> well, man, um, good news, gospel, right? That's what the word gospel means, good news. I think, it's, I think it's simple and it's vast. I think sometimes in the name of making it simple, we lose how vast it is and therefore the very riches and the depths that Paul speaks about right there in Ephesians 3. We lose that. But you can also get so tangled up in all the riches of it that, right, you can miss the simplicity of it. So I would say the gospel in its simplest form is Jesus Christ. It's the good news that the God who created all of us decide to come and dwell among us. Hmm. He became the very thing that we're all trying to overcome, our humanity. Think about that for just a minute. The news of a God looking down on his creation, trying desperately to overcome their humanity, striving desperately to live in, 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 with independence instead of in the dependence of the very dance it was created to dwell with. And decides to come down the ladder and dwell among us. And then when he gets down here, he kicks down the ladder. He doesn't set up a ladder and say, here, I'm going to show you how to better live and how to really love God and how to really love others so that you can pull up those bootstraps and make it happen. But instead, he comes down the ladder, kicks down the ladder, and says, I'm going to dwell with you forever. Hmm. Jesus Christ, our very union with God. That is the gospel to me in its simplest form. That said, that can oftentimes get very lost within church circles, from my experience. Um, and guilty of that, just to be clear. I often preach the gospel as almost this thing uh, of something that you need to do, something that we, that we need to strive for, something that we need to go live out, instead of letting it just be the news of what God's done for humanity in his son. That's where it moves into the riches of what the gospel is. I don't know about you, but for me, the gospel in the, in the early days, it led to anxiety. Hmm. Hearing the word gospel led to anxiety. It didn't lead to, to assurance. It didn't lead to acceptance. 
It didn't lead to relief or the rest that Jesus promised. It didn't lead to the freedom that he came, that he said, I've come to bring to humanity. It almost was shared with me as like conditions. It's like a two-way street marked by conditions and determination. And to me, that's kind of where things kind of got tripped up. And so I spent a number of years just going back into the scriptures and trying to take an unfiltered look at it and just discovering like, man, the gospel in its simplest form is Jesus Christ, but it's also in its vast form, it's what's true of you and me and every person who lives because of Jesus Christ. Think about that. It is the news of a God who, the one who made all of creation, who then in his death and resurrection reconciled all things, it says in Colossians 1. He reconciled all things. He came not to condemn, but to set us free. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that through, through his death and resurrection, for our death and resurrection, God made, right? God made us the righteousness of God. Colossians 3 said that through his death and resurrection, this mystery of the gospel is that God somehow has hid us in the very life of Christ. We're hidden in him. This is all true because of what he did. His life for our life, his death for our death, his resurrection, our resurrection. This is, if you, if you hear what I'm saying, all I'm talking about is what God did. Mm. I'm not at all talking about anything that we do. And that's the difference. To me, the gospel is the news of what God has done for the world in Jesus Christ. Mm. He's made us one. He's made us whole. He's brought us home. He's set us free. We are the righteousness of him. Hmm. It's, it's just straight mind-blowing when I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that leads us into, like, this next statement that he makes, right? He says, of this gospel, he was made a minister, right? That, that word there is he's, he's a, 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 an ambassador, a, a voice piece, a, a messenger of that good news, to really the world. I mean, his writings, his uh, communication has just spread like wildfire through the power of the Holy Spirit um, about that good news um, according to the gift of God's grace. So it wasn't because Paul was awesome. It wasn't because he was super good looking or a really eloquent speaker. Like it was that it was by the gift of God's grace that he gave. So in this idea, like, who was Paul, and why did this grace mean so much to him in particular? Yeah, I love, I love Paul. He's, he's wicked smart. Uh, he's confusing. I, I identify a little bit more with Peter, who's like, Paul says hard things, and they're confusing. You're like, yes, thank you. <laughs> I thought so. Uh, but Paul, is, he's an interesting dude, because in Galatians, he kind of gives his, his background, his resume, and he's talking about it as what just what a high-level leader he was, uh, what he had accomplished, the rules that he had followed, his, his zeal, his, uh, his energy, and, and he basically takes all of that religious understanding and he directs it against Christians. And he starts persecuting the church and he starts getting opportunities to go and hunt people down and, and he, the, the scriptures say that he breathes threats and murder against the church. And he's, he's carrying out that mission that he's gotten from the, the priests and he's, he's carrying it forward and he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and just gets knocked off his horse literally and figuratively and metaphorically and, and spiritually, and blinded, almost to just recognize this is what you are. You are blind, so I'm going to let, make you not see anything so you will recognize I am God. And he spent some time uh, just 
realizing who Jesus is. He spent some time with Jesus in, in a sense in the wilderness and, and kind of learns what this gospel is. And he does this amazing thing where he, and I may jump ahead just a little bit, but he, he talks about himself in a way that kind of resonates with me when he first starts out in ministry. It's, I am Paul, I'm the least of the apostles. He kind of connects himself to the super apostles at one point. So you're kind of, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal, I'm Paul. I'm like, that makes sense. He's done so much. He's now planted so many churches. He's the church planter extraordinaire. This is, this is awesome. And you watch as Paul writes these letters through scripture, he gets humbler and quieter and smaller. I mean, his, his name started as Saul and it ends as Paul. And Paul means little and small. And you see that progression as he understands who Jesus is more and more. He talks about himself as, as the least of the apostles. All right, well, we're still on the elite team. <laughs> And then he says, here, he goes, I am the very least of all the saints. Okay, but he's still wearing a white hat in a sense. But, he, but he's one of the low guys. And then in just a little bit in uh, his letter to Timothy, like one of his last letters, as he's probably in jail and, and writing to this guy that he loves, he says, well, actually, I'm the chief. I'm the foremost among sinners. And so we see this beautiful progression. Some people call it a digression, but I think it's a progression of, mm. of what a Christian ought to do is they understand more and more who Jesus is. And I've done that as a, as a pastor. I, I just remember when I first became a pastor at 25, I just thought, this is great. You guys, you're welcome. I am now a pastor, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just going to bless you. Mm. And, and I remember looking back at Pastor AJ at 25 when I was 30, and just being like, oh, I'm really embarrassed. I'm sorry. And then that happened again at 35, and it happened again at 42, and it's just like, this is, I, I'm connecting with a little bit. I still resonate more with the super apostle and the, uh, the, the least among the apostles mindset, just the pride in me. And so I look at Paul, and I'm like, I can't understand half of what he writes, but I understand how he lives, and I understand how he talks about himself. Mm. That's good. Um, I think as, as he just gets older, he, and he walks with Jesus, and he sees that the power that is within him uh, the, the hands that can move, the brain that can tell the mouth to speak, the feet that can get him from place to place, all of that was given to him by God. And I think often we, uh, and this is something that you say often, Russ, we're so enamored by our own progress and performance that we begin to take all of this credit upon ourselves of look what we can do. Look what I have done. There's a king, King Nebuchadnezzar in scripture, who was humbled by God and then, you know, built this massive kingdom and stands on top of one of the tallest buildings and looks over this kingdom. And what's the first thought? Man, God, you did an amazing work. No, his first thought is look at what my hands have built. And I just, I think of my own life and I, you know, like relating to Paul here going, as I get older and as life throws more and more at me and like, I mean, we have a bunch of middle schoolers here. Let's hear it for the middle schoolers. You guys are awesome. Um, recently we started up our youth ministry and I love coming here on Wednesday nights to drop off Sela and just seeing all the kids running around. Um, but man, I remember being in middle school. I remember being in high school. And I felt uh, invincible, right? I just felt like I could do anything I wanted. I could take on the world. I was one of the better athletes in my school. I know you can't believe that now. but um, And so like, I just remember uh, believing my own press. And then as you get older and older and then like, my back has hurt for like a month now. I've got plantar, whatever that is, you know, in my foot. And like I'm hobbling around the house in the morning. 
And like, as you get older, you recognize and realize like, oh, I'm not all that I thought I was. But if we can just get to that place, and I think that that's, you know, the next thing he's saying, he's like, all of this was given to me by the working of God's power, right? Like, like the, the kids I have, my wife, the, the business that God has allowed me to build, the, the church, the, the community, the whatever it may be that we can point to, like, it's all by the power of God. Um, so how can we misinterpret the power of God and his power and how he works in and through things? Um, and why does the power of God and how we enact it and all that stuff, how, why does it become so controversial? The, the first thought I had was just around, we think we do a lot of stuff for God. Hmm. And so then when we accomplish things in his name, we think, and, and that's why you pay me. Hmm. You're, again, you're welcome, Lord. And, and the amazing thing is the posture that the Lord has towards us is, is more like one with a father and a son and it's things you do with him. Uh, I, I don't know how to change the oil of a car. My, my dad didn't teach me that. My brother tried to. And I just remember all I did was just hand him wrenches. I didn't do anything for him. I did everything with him. And I love changing VW Beetle engines with my brother. If you ask me what that meant, it really, I just handed him wrenches, mostly the wrong ones. <laughs> but I got to be with him and I got to enjoy him. And so I think that posture of, of God's power it's not for us to do anything for, it's us to do everything with him. Yeah, I think when you look at, at Paul in that passage, as he just continually refers to this grace, this grace, this grace, it's, the grace is not a means to something. Hmm. The grace is the very means of everything. Hmm. It's the A to Z, okay? It's, it's not the ABC of Christianity, and then we, we kind of get it from there. Hmm. It's A to Z. And I think Paul has found a freedom in being nothing in and of himself. Think about that for just a minute. Imagine living your life with the freedom to no longer need to be anything in and of yourself. Hmm. When someone looks at you and says, yeah, but you have these issues, you could just look back at them and smile and go, yeah, I know. <laughs> Let me tell you about my thought life. <laughs> right? Like, this is what it means to be human. And God doesn't seem to have a problem with this. Hmm. He seems to know this, which is why at the core of the gospel is the, is the news of relief, not reform. Broken people, dead people in their trespasses and sin need resurrection. <laughs> they, they, they don't need improvement. And I think that's what Jesus is sort of, if you want to go back and look at like the Sermon on the Mount just for fun. To me, the Sermon on the Mount is this beautiful picture where Jesus basically looks at a crowd that thinks progress is needed. They think performance is needed. They think a report card is due and that God's actually interested in this. And Jesus goes through the Sermon on the Mount and one by one, he reveals to us that there's no such thing as imperfect obedience. <laughs> think about that. There is no such thing as imperfect obedience. That's why when he gets to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he looks at him and says, now go be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. <laughs> That's like one of those moments where you're like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, I'm driving you to the reality that it's my life for your life. It's my death for your death. It's my resurrection that you will live in. And therefore be free to be nothing in and of yourself. And the first time that that hit me, and I can barely tell this story, 
but it totally ties in with what AJ was saying. I'm 15 years into pastoring and planting churches thinking I'm making this stuff happen. Hmm. Look at all the multiplication. Look at all the growth. And now I'm getting to travel and speak here and speak there. And you're thinking for a moment there that you actually did this. And as I started looking at the Sermon on the Mount, re-looking at the gospel with an unfiltered lens and all these things, looking at the freedom in Paul's life and finding myself going, man, I don't think I did any of this. And this moment hits me where my oldest son used to follow me around our two acres in Asheville when I would mow the grass. He would walk behind me, and I'm not lying to you, two acres. He would walk behind me step by step with one of those little Fisher-Price mowers <laughs> that would blow bubbles. <laughs> row after row, step by step, this little red-headed kid getting fried by the sun. And I remember that image hitting me and looking at this freedom in Paul and what, it's, what it really means to live in dependence. Not independence, not one word, two words, in dependence. To live in the dance because of what someone else did. Hmm. And to be able to just join in whatever he's doing, knowing it's him all the way. And then looking at that image of my son and going, he did not, he did not accomplish a single thing. There's not one blade of grass that got cut down from that mower. <laughs> but you know what happened? Man, a, a three-year-old little boy got a chance to just be a part of what his dad was doing. And a father got to delight in a son who just wanted to be with him. I think that's ministry. Hmm. I think that's what Paul found. Hand and wrenches to your brother. Hmm. That's ministry. And the minute you turn it into anything more than that, you nullify the gospel. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's good. It's <laughs> yeah. good. You know, I was thinking about, um, as you were saying that, how one of the things that I try to share with my girls, because, I mean, we all have multiple kids, right? And I know that we have parents that have multiple kids. We have a, a, a church that's really taking seriously be fruitful and multiply. And, um, <laughs> amen. Uh, and so, um, one of the things that I'm trying to walk my girls through is, Anytime I go anywhere, I try to take a girl or take two of them there. I love, I, I frequent Home Depot, just finished a project this weekend. Um, and so I had to take numerous trips. One of them, I bought paint, got home, went to get out of my car, and I had the paint resting on top of another paint can, and it just fell over. And just, yeah, luckily it was on my neighbor's property. And um, <laughs> so uh, I'm like, oh, the rain will take care of that. Um, but, uh, but then I had to go back to Home Depot, right? So I'm, I'm taking these trips with my girls. Um, one of the things that they often do, though, is they say, I'll come with you if you get me something, right? Home Depot has uh, lollipops that are sitting in the front. Um, and they're these, like, really big, round lollipops. And they're like, can we get a lollipop? And I'm like, I don't know. I, you know, like, let's see how the trip goes. Maybe not. You've had a lot of sugar already today. And it's like, I don't want to go then. I'm often like that with God, um, where he is inviting me to be with him. 
And all I want to know is what am I going to get? Right? And so it's like, all right, like, hey, I want you to go plant this church. Or maybe it's, I want you to go share your testimony with um, your coworker. Or, hey, the neighbor's grass is really long, and I know you're hot, and it's 100,000 degrees outside, but I want you to go mow their lawn. And it's almost like we look at God when he's inviting us to already join him in the work that he's doing, and we go, all right, what's, what's in it for me? Um, and I, I do think that in a lot of ways that's a misunderstanding of grace and a misunderstanding of blessing. Um, and what we do only flows out of what God has done. Um, and that done is, it's a, it's a finished done. <laughs> and, and it's, um, but often I, I don't live in that way. I live in the, all right, what's in it for me? Or what am I going to get out of this? I'll obey if I get this treat. Or I'll obey if I get to watch TV. I'll obey if but it's not because I just want to delight in my father and have my father delight in me and have that intimacy there. Can you guys relate to that? I mean, any thoughts on that? I think that's a beautiful picture. Uh, the, the little girl asking for a treat as opposed to the beautiful drive, mm-hmm. the time spent with dad. Um, that in itself is more of a reward, but we, don't, we just don't see it because we, we have immature eyes and, mm-hmm. and childish hearts. And it even goes down to our own intimacy with God, like opening this up on a daily basis, seeing this almost as a chore, like, God, you have to give me something to get through my day versus just the fact that I get to be with God, like this is his word to me, that I get to be with him with this, like I get to get to hear his heart, hear his voice, like I, I know I, I keep addressing the students, but you know, often students, you hear your parents say and you hear us say, hey, spend time in prayer, spend time in the Bible. But it's not because we just want you to do an act. It's not because we want you to, like, just, you know, do a religious practice. But it's because there is a real God who wants a real relationship with you. And he wants you to know him and he wants to speak to you. Just because you're 10, 11, 12, doesn't mean that God won't speak to you. Like he wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear his voice. And as you get older, the voices in this world are going to get louder and louder. That's why it's so important for you to hear his voice now and know what his voice is. Because the world's going to be telling you a million other things. They're going to say, you do what you want to do, and that's what's best. And God is saying, no, what I want you to do is what will bring you life. And what the world wants you to do will only bring you death and destruction. And so that's why, and, and I know I'm speaking to the middle school kids, but whether you're six or 60, like that's true. But God wants to be in relationship with you. And if you struggle reading, then there's the audio piece to the YouVersion Bible app. Open the YouVersion Bible app, open up the verse in the chapter and hit play. The guy's voice is epic, right? And you can change the voice, I think, now. Um, and so I, 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 like God wants to have a personal relationship with you. We're, we're not going to have excuses for these things, right? Oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. Like, God wants us. Like, he wants a relationship. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I always tell people that, that life, from my experience, is basically a perpetual middle school lunchroom. 
just all the pressures. You know what I mean? When you walk in there, where am I going to sit? Where do I belong? And, you know, you think that, well, once you get past this, you know, these things are over. And it's like, well, no, it seems like it's going to be this maybe until we die. Um, I know that's really depressing. Sorry. Uh, But here's the good news. Um, What you're going to hear in that lunchroom or what you're going to hear in life, just piggyback on what you're saying, is just do it. And sometimes this is sad, but it's true. But you can even find that oftentimes within churches. The same message that you'll find out in the broader world, you can find in churches. The get it together, be better, climb higher, do more. Change the world. Just do it. It's like Nike. <laughs> and you've got to get into those scriptures and find what I feel like Paul found in the freedom of, no, it is finished, was Jesus' words, not just do it. On the cross, he says it is finished. Not tag, you're it. Hmm. The religion shop has been closed forever. You are already loved. You are already whole. You are already home. You are already free because you are already one with him. That's all news. No advice. No program. No map. Hmm. Just news. And you're going to need to be reminded of that forever. (laughs) Because the just do it, right, is just always creeping in. So. And just do it has, it has that direction of the finger point and the recognition of I wasn't doing it. Uh, there's a different aspect when, when, when Jesus tells us what he has done and who we are with him, then the answer isn't just do it. It's what, it, there's this outflow from us of what we want to do, what we get to do. And it just, the, the whole motivation shifts. It's, I think about, I, I dropped my pen. It is the best writing utensil that man has made. It is a beautiful pen. It is a pilot. It's a, it's a G-Tech something or other. It is so great. I'll show it to you after service. It's awesome. Uh, you, you gave me a box. They're upstairs in the I room did, up there. I, did. Yeah. I, I am a maven for things that are awesome. And I love to share them with people. I don't get paid by pilot. I don't get paid by Vivo Barefoot. But these shoes, if you've got really wide, weird feet, these are great for you. And I love them. I love them. This is the only shoe I buy. And I will tell everybody, like, oh, that's some wide feet. You might need my shoes, bro. I don't get paid by Vivo Barefoot. I want to share it. I don't have to share it. I get to share it. And, and that's what it is with Jesus. We have watched, uh, the three of us could spend hours and hours and hours talking about how we have seen Jesus do amazing things. And so from that, we want to share it. I want to tell you about the people who were healed. I want to tell you about the infertile couple that had a baby. I want to tell you about the guy who was sick and dying and is now with his kids. I I want to tell you about the people who were lost and running far from God, and he brought them back. I want to tell you about all of that because I've seen it. It's amazing. I don't have to. Hmm. I get to. That's awesome. And that's the final thing. We're going to wrap this up. Um, He says, to me... Though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And that is what we get to do. We get to share this good news with every man, every woman, every child. Um, We're we're invited into it. We're called to do it. Um, We're commanded to do it. Uh, But it's all under this banner of grace, right? This banner of grace where he says, Though I am the very least of the saints. He doesn't say because I'm really good with my words. And I know often we don't share these things. And we don't share the gospel. And we don't share our testimony because we think, oh, I'm going to screw it up. But not just, oh, I'm going to screw it up. I also just screwed up today. Hmm. 
And so I'm, I don't really have much to give them because my life looks the same as maybe theirs. Hmm. Which goes back to what Russ said before, right? Is we, we're only sharing out of our depravity, not out of our success. Yeah, the last thing the world needs is another Christian who's got it together and offering three steps to something. Hmm. Seriously. Uh, what they need are, are broken people, which hmm. is what we are. God loves broken people because broken people are all there is. Mm. <laughs> so we're broken. Mm. We're flawed. We're foolish. We're frail. We make mistakes every day. I mean, I often tell people, to me, the most beautiful picture of what the church could be is an AA meeting. <laughs> I'm flawed. You're flawed. So let's talk about the one who's not. Mm. The one who set us free. The one who's already met us where we are. That, I feel like, is what people need to hear, which to me, there's a beautiful thing when you grab onto the fact that the scriptures, Jesus himself referred to us, he refers to us as witnesses. In other words, if you try to play any other role in that courtroom, it's not going to go well for you. Hmm. So if you need to be the judge, if you need to be the lawyer, if you need to be the jury, it just, it just doesn't work well. Hmm. But when you're free to just be a witness... Well, well, you have these things going on in your life and be able to look back and go, I know. But we're not talking about my story, dude. My story is learning to trust Jesus, not toiling for Jesus, hmm. which is why I am free to be a witness and tell you about the one who has also already set you free. Hmm. And as we believe but, that, it, it does transform us, right? It does, it, it causes us to say, hey, because I am free, not I'm going to go just do whatever I want, but actually because I'm free, I actually desire to open the word. I actually desire to not continue in my addiction, to, to desire to continue to talk down to my kids or my spouse. Like I'm, I'm, I'm free to love people the way yeah. God has loved me. Yeah, because those things are harmful. Yeah. Right? They hurt. There's no harmony in going against anything that God says. <laughs> But when you confuse, you're not going against it with his acceptance and love of you and therefore your ability to be able to talk about him with other people, hmm. right? Well, now you never get to talk about him hmm. because you're always learning to trust him. Yeah, that's good. Well, let's wrap it up. I would love the band to come back on up and just lead us out in one more song um, and uh, let us just sit with this. Um, the good news is, is we're... We get to come back week after week. We have a couple of community groups that meet throughout the week um, to press into this stuff more. So I, I'm really excited about community groups this week because I feel like there's going to be a lot of good discussion. Um, and, and one of the reasons is, is because you get to do this. Like when we get together, like it's not about monologuing. Like when we get together, like we all get to bring something to the table. And so um, when we get together with people for coffee and when we get together in community groups and when we get together for Bible studies, we have a men's Bible study on Wednesday mornings, a women's Bible study on Thursday mornings. Um, we get to sit in the word together and then come with something, right? We get to come and bring something to the table. Um, and we want to invite you all to be a part of that. This is how we grow. I, this week, just studying this stuff, knowing that you guys are going to come and talk, like it's helped me uh, get excited about the word of God. And so thank you guys. Let's hear it for these guys one more time. On a serious note, Bill, because AJ and I, I know we've both been in your shoes, and there's a lot of work and a lot of tears and a lot of toil and a lot of time, man, that's spent trying to, to lead a church. And, dude, you've done it faithfully, 
since the day I met you. So on a serious note, I just want to say thanks for just continuing to invest in these people and in this community, man. And thanks for having us. I didn't plan to share that. I just wanted to say, seriously, thank you. Russ, you want to pray for us? You want to pray us out? Yeah, let's pray. God, thank you for this place to meet in. Uh, God, thanks for the day that you've given us the breath of your very life in our lungs to be able to come to hear, to think, to process, to laugh, to, to challenge, to sing, to listen, to, to question, to doubt, to fear, all of it, Lord. Thanks for knowing all of these things about us and yet loving us in the midst of all of it, meeting us where we are. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to just, help us to learn more and more just how to, how to drop that parachute and just free fall into your grace, into your love, into your presence, now and in the day ahead. In Jesus' name.